Well, it's 2015 and we're back. We just want to say thank you to all our fans for making 2014 a great year. And thanks for coming back if you're listening to this show. Forrest is out of town right now, so I got to do this little cold open by myself. But it's okay. We got plenty of stuff to talk about. Wanted to let you know that our store is going to be up in a few weeks, hopefully. I got to talk to our guy over at Web Wizards. But we got hats in, we got decals in, and t-shirts are on the way. So we wanted to get that stuff out there if anybody was interested in helping us support the show, which so far has been an out-of-pocket endeavor. <laughs> uh, thus, Forrest not being here right now because he's on the road working. However, he was present for the interview that we're going to air tonight, which you're going to find out in just a little bit. But before we go on to that, I did want to say that if you haven't already checked out some of our other web presences besides AstonishingLegends.com, you might want to do it because we've got some really interesting stuff up there. We have a Twitter account, of course, which you can find just by searching for us on Twitter because I'd spell it out, but there's some vowels missing because you only get so many characters there. But there is also a Tumblr page, which is a lot of fun because we have stuff on the Tumblr page that I don't always cross post to Facebook or other places. There's some neat stuff there from other paranormal bloggers and people who blog interesting things, cryptozoology and that kind of stuff. So if you like our content, that's a good place to go and get more of it and see things that you're not going to see on our Facebook page or our regular homepage and that sort of thing. Although we are trying to do blog entries on our main page every couple of days. It's weird coming back after Christmas. I don't know how many of you may have traveled for the holidays, but I find that when I get outside of the the bubble that is my day-to-day life and go somewhere else and a lot of times it's home to the place that you grew up or you know, you're dealing with all these emotions and family and all kinds of things happening, not to mention bad habits. I, I know I drank a little too much in the holidays, but I think a lot of people do that. And the long and short of it is that it's it's a strange experience. It's almost an out-of-body experience because you go away and you get so far away from your home life and your patterns and your routines and, and you start to realize the things about it that you do like and a lot of the things that you don't like. But But when you come back and you slide back into that life that you had before you left, you kind of forget what it was like to be outside of it. And that's it's a weird thing, you know, and I think about it every time I go home. It's like, well, what if I just stayed here? What if I didn't go back to that life? Or what if I went back to a different life, you know? I'd, I'd probably change a lot of things. I, I certainly wouldn't change my family, and I certainly wouldn't change this show because I love it. Those are those are things that I have passion for. But there's other things that, you know, you feel like you're in a rut about. And I got to say, it's it's a strange experience. But nevertheless, I'm back, and Forrest has been back already and gone back on the road for some work. But tonight, we're going to share with you an interview that we did with a friend of ours, Paula Pell. We actually did it a little while ago, but we didn't get a chance to air it until now. And uh, we hope you enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. Evil is unspectacular and always human, and shares our bed and eats at our own table. W.H. Auden, from his poem, Herman Melville. Tonight's show is about crossing paths with evil. This person has a very dark energy. There's just something there that is not right. So tonight we're doing an interview with a longtime friend of mine, Paula Pell. 
She's one of the most successful women comedy writers working today. With 18 seasons as a senior writer at Saturday Night Live, a producer of 22 episodes of 30 Rock, and a now successful screenwriter who's featured The Nest with Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, and Maya Rudolph just wrapped shooting. So Scott, how did you meet her? My wife is a comedy writer, and she worked at Saturday Night Live for nine seasons. So uh, she worked together with Paula, and we obviously got to know her very well at that point in, uh, when we lived in New York. Right. Now, Paula had been there for a number of years before, before that your wife and showed. since yeah. we left. Yes. Okay. So um, she was kind enough to come in and tell us this story. This is a great story about one of those nights out in the city that if you've ever lived in New York or even visited it and been out at night, you know it can have a little bit of a dark side. Or even in the day. I've been there at, in the subway. Any time of the day or night, you're going to see something interesting. That's right. All right. Let's go to the interview. Hello, guys. I'm Paula Pell, and I'm very glad to be here with both of you, and I'm sorry I have no clothes on. <laughs> so, Paula, you're still at Saturday Night Live, right? I am. I've left a couple times, but I keep coming back to the fold. You've worked with pretty much everybody. I have ever since I came the year Will Ferrell came and Sherry O'Terry and Molly and all the that gang. So it was a really great inaugural year to come into because we were all new together, and it was kind of like college, and those offices kind of look like dorms, kind of... <laughs> Filthy holes. <laughs> yeah, which they still do. Yeah, yeah, they still are. You perform as well, right? I am a performer. I've done a lot of stuff on SNL in the monologues and different little moments. I am also Pete Hornberger's wife on 30 Rock and have had three or four very perverted scenes where I have been violated in my sleep uh, by my husband. I have been in a topless corset. Paula, you're cheating with your wife? What did you tell me about this? That's my fault. I get off on the sneaking around. Who knew, right? <laughs> so how were your parents? Yeah, I've really lowered my standards on that one. And then I played Ron Swanson's mother on Parks and Recreation. She is a, a very weathered sort of Dust Bowl woman who has the same standards as Ron. Why do you have so many guns? This is America, isn't it? Yes. Then I don't have to answer stupid questions while standing on my own property. So on to the matter at hand. You have a story about something unusual that happened to you a little while back. And I love this story, which you told me for the first time a few weeks ago. The nature of it is right up Forrest Alley. So he's going to be in the driver's seat on this interview. Forrest, why don't you tell us uh, approximately how long ago was this? Okay, well, I think it was probably 97. And uh, it was my first couple years at SNL. And my office mate, Lori Nasso, and I spent a lot of time together. She and I would always, uh, as much as we had these crazy long hours, we would always end up either going to eat after work, we'd do an all-nighter, and then we'd go eat breakfast, and we just couldn't get enough of just like staying up and being in the city and just really experiencing the life of being a writer at SNL and doing all these crazy late nights. So we, um, should I just go ahead with Yeah, uh, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, so what what time of day was this? Was oh, this a lunch? It was at lunch? night, okay. and it was on a weekend, and I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday night. Because I remember there being that kind of crazy New York feeling of Saturday night, of something being slightly untethered, <laughs> where you just kind of look at everybody in the street, and it's like a lot of people are drunk. And, you know, you just had a feeling. I mean, we were on the Upper West Side, so it wasn't like super wild, right, edgy, right. but it just felt... Um, 
definitely like one of those nights where there were a lot of young people out and and everything was busy was this was this after the taping of the show no that particular night we were just hanging out it was an off week and and about about what time of uh night i think it was pretty late i think it was probably like 11 or i remember it being pretty late at night it seemed like a regular night totally regular night and and a place we were very familiar with and a routine we're very familiar with so there was nothing strange about it nothing there was no feeling of um, we're in a new place tonight. We're awkward. You know, we were not in any um, anxious mood. Both of us right. were totally chilling out, laughing, goofing around. Okay, so you decided to meet up there. Mm-hmm. So then describe the, the, the event. Evening. Yes, the okay. event from there. We sat at a booth across from each other, and it was a booth right near the bathroom as a lot of diners in New York have that little alcove, and then there's a bathroom on either side, male and female. And, uh, you know, there were some strange ducks at the diner that night i remember just people partying you know later people um you could tell were out at clubs or whatever and they were kind of loud and some of them were drunk but um this gentleman came by and he he passed me and i only saw because she was facing away from the bathroom i was facing towards the alcove towards the bathroom and he walked past us and we immediately both looked and I just saw the back of him. He had a very strange outfit on. He he was very sort of goth looking as you would call it, but he had really strange black boots on that were just a weird type of just, not not what you yeah, not what you would get. They were just at, odd looking uh, and his his outfit was all black and he had dark hair and it was I don't remember him being super young, but I don't remember him being older. It was just some weird, you know weirdly nondescript, yeah. but a but a very weird yeah. yeah. And I didn't see his face. I just saw him pass me. Right. And it, it, didn't, it didn't totally stop the conversation. No. You, you just kinda paused just for a moment. Made and, note, right. you know, okay. took note right. of like this is a strange thing you see in New York. But it wasn't like your typical goth thing. He just was in all black, but he just seemed strange. He just made us kind of go, what was that? And he walked by, but she looked up at him and then we were both kind of quiet and we talked a little bit. A couple minutes later, I see him come out of the bathroom. He was kind of gathering himself and he looked over at me, and he had crazy pale blue eyes. Like, it didn't look like fake contact lenses like or anything. Eyes. It was just yeah. pale blue, yeah. really piercing, strange eyes. Yeah. There was a color to his skin that looked like, he just looked like a strange color to me, you know, very pale. And didn't look like makeup at all. It wasn't like, you know, Marilyn Manson type stuff. And he looked over at me, and he just did the most... And I couldn't help but look at him, and I just kind of stared at him, and it was a very locked feeling of looking at him. And he just did the most sick smile. Like, he just did a very strange smile that you don't want anyone to ever, like, look at you and smile. It was a very knowing, weird, well, yeah, let me ask you, was intruding it kind of, feeling. You know, it was yeah. just a really strange feeling, the, but... No, I was going to say, is, is that the kind of smile that someone gives you of kind of saying... Yeah, you know, don't you? Like, like it was almost you, like um, when someone is, and I've also used it in when because I, I witnessed my sister's three childbirths, sure. <laughs> and whenever she would go into transition at the very end of her childbirth, like I always said that like her face changed. Right. There was something so intensely chemical about her 
journey of where she was that her eyes I would look at her eyes yeah. and I knew she wasn't looking right at me that but it was, he, a, it was a knowing he just kind of grin looked right at me yeah. look noticed that I was looking at him and just did this weird grin uh. and I just <laughs> and so right after he did it I had a very specific shiver in my body that felt exactly like when you have a fever and you start having those violent shivers yeah where you have a long shiver like that and you go, what the hell is wrong? And then you find out you have a fever and your body's just trying to like, you know, um, cook it out of you. cook it yeah. out. And I had this crazy long shiver and I just went, wow. holy shit. I don't know. If that's okay. No, that's that. quite all right. Okay. okay. I was like, Oh my God. And I looked over at him and, and I was so afraid of him all of a sudden. And I mean, I, you know, I had by then yeah. lived in New York for a while. I had had crazy things in the street happen. People come up in the dark at sure. you and, I- you know, there's a lot of sadly mentally ill people <laughs> yeah, and right. and homeless and drunken people that that come up at you. And so I was used yeah. to that. It wasn't but they don't, like they don't affect you that way. No. And yeah. I was in a place that I hung out and knew all the waiters. Right. And it was a very warm, you know, diner, really totally one of those yeah, uh, hole in the wall, great diners in New York. And I just got so scared of him where I just was like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who he was. I just knew I didn't like it. I just knew I I immediately had a dread, icky feeling. And I looked up at him and he walked past us and I just kind of leaned over to Lori and I said, okay, can I just tell you something? It was after he walked away. And he also, I remember when he was walking, he had like his boots made like kind of a big noise. You know, he was just a real presence that was creepy. And I said to her, okay, I'm just going to tell you something. It sounds weird. But I said, when I looked up at that guy and I hooked into his eyes and he had this really sick smile, my whole body shivered really violently. And she goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she got up and she took money out, like just flew money out of her purse, threw it, like threw $20 too much on the table, said to the guy, this is for us. We're going. You know, and I hadn't even finished eating. And she said, we're going, we're going, go now, now, now. And she was really pushing me. I said, what? And we ran out and we ran. I chased her. She ran probably three blocks down the street. And she turned around to me and she said, when he looked at me on the other way, my entire body shivered violently. She said, my whole body went like this. She had exactly the same reaction. The exact physical, visceral, like specific shiver. But a a moment after you had seen him. Before. Oh, oh, she, He went to the bathroom first and she was faced this way. He went to the bathroom. She was faced away from the bathroom and she saw his face. So she, but she saw him coming in. She saw him walk into the bathroom. Well, this is interesting though, because she saw it before she didn't tell me she didn't say anything she didn't say and you didn't pick up on it with her that anything was yeah she didn't say anything and she said i didn't say anything because she said i just thought that was strange Mm. but she said Mm -hmm. when you said you had the same feeling right you know she said i could have just been shivering and then i looked at him and felt weird i think she was afraid to just say it because and we were also i think super tired i remember us being sort of worn out it was really late at night we were just and we weren't drunk or anything but we were just sitting there you know, on uh, in a food coma at the diner. And so she just was in her own little world of it. And she was probably going to tell me about it. And to this day, I've never seen her get so immediately like, 
we got to get out of here. And so we went back to her or my apartment. I don't remember which. What the hell was that? We just sat and talked about, like, what was that? Was that somebody that was chemically altered and we tapped into some darkness? Was this a person that did something bad that we were picking up in the energy of, you know? And what we just kept coming to was it was a feeling of the devil. Like we just had a very devil sort of feeling because it, it, it felt powerful. It, right. it felt, um, mm. he didn't seem, he was physically slight. Yeah. I remember him being fairly short and thin right. and slight, but he had this knowing just gaze at you that just made you wow. crumble. Like you just wanted to shiver, you know? Yeah. So when you when you say the devil, I mean, are you talking about like a literal interpretation of the devil biblically or more just a personification of evil? I think definitely a, a, the personification of evil, like not, oh, the devil went and bought some gothware. <laughs> All right, that's going to be forty nine ninety nine for the leather pants. And oh, looks like hooded cloaks are half off right now. Even uh, though I grew up Catholic and so did right. Lori. So we <laughs> definitely grew up with the f- yeah. idea of the devil. But I felt more like just an evil, a person that's tapped into that evil. And we went to work that next week and we told Colin Quinn, who was a dear friend of ours, and he just got so into that story. And he, you know, had been in New York his whole life. And he said, I'm telling you, the devil is so many places in New York. He's like, you can be in an elevator and you, you know, you can feel it. You feel it coming off a person. You had picked up on this vibe, mm-hmm. immediately got a chill, mm-hmm. but that your friend got the same thing, but didn't yeah. immediately say anything. But as soon as you, she had a validation right. that there was something really wrong, and then the fight or flight scenario kicks in. Right. And she, what's interesting is that you both really needed to get out of there. Yeah. And now let me ask you this, though. Was it something that he may have like done harm, or was it, just a, it was just a bad vibe, bad presence that... Uh, I didn't really... He didn't seem... He didn't seem like he was about to do anything. No, he yeah. didn't. He wasn't physic. He wasn't threatening right, at all. He right. wasn't physically threatening. There was just an a. a um, there, the reason I kept associating it, we both associated it with a devil sort of feeling. Is any idea of the devil is like the devil can see into you, like the that feeling of, as opposed to a person who's bad or broken and bad where you look at them and you see this kind of broken criminal or yeah. person and they're not even necessarily out of control of their yeah. biological whatever like right. where you you say I need to be careful around that person. Right. This was a feeling of knowing that creeped us out like yeah. a feeling of the look that just um well, I think it's the smile, too. I, yeah, the smile was so yeah. weird and so sick and so not um like a very confident sick, heavy-eyed smile that you just went, oh, my God, (laughs) what the hell was that? You know, what I think is interesting about that is the it conveys a sense of power, and a lot of times it's antithetical to what you might think if you see somebody who's jonesing or strung out or whatever. Those people are not, don't ever exude a sense of control. No. 
No, they're, so, they're, th- they're throwing off facial cues yeah. that may or may not relate to anything. They're just, right. they're tripping. So they're tripping. Yeah. And I do think there's an energy to that when you, when you see someone's eyes like that, or like my sister in childbirth, where you're feeling the chaos that they're tapped into and you're feeling it and it's making you feel chaos. I mean, there's been many times in New York where there's been a, and I've had friends that had mental illness that when they are in a bad place and you talk to them in a bad place and you go, God, they are just in such a far away place right now and you're trying to connect to it and it makes you feel scared but this was a feeling of just he he reminded me in a way of like a creature like he just had a creaturey feel to him because he was really kind of thin and small and pale and he had these eyes and you just went oh god (laughs) you know but this guy just had a leisurely attitude to himself he wasn't aggressive at all no no but what i like about it is the way you described it the vibe that i get uh or or have sensed about Mm -hmm. is that he knows he knows he's putting off this weird vibe and then he knows that okay you've you've seen me oh and and that grin tells me like i've just creeped you out oh yeah really totally down to the core yeah and uh there is some power in that Mm -hmm. uh we've probably all been around people who have magnetic personalities or or very big personalities and they they know like they're at a cocktail party and people are surrounding them. They're, they're the center of attention. But does, this, guy, this guy's not that kind of gregarious kind of thing. He's yeah. giving off a, a kind of a weirdly cool uh, vibe. And he knows his effect on people. And one other time, just as a parallel, I had a, a very scary moment with... I was in a che- actually a check cashing place. I First couple of years of SNL, I would go cash my check instead of put it in the bank because I hated how the bank held my funds. So I decided it would be really smart to pay extra and go to a check cashing place on Friday afternoons in the middle of Manhattan. So I'm standing in the middle of a check cashing place and this woman behind me got extremely scary with me and screamed, got really mad that I was taking so long. And it was one of those things where she started really threatening me behind my head of like, I'm going to cut you in like really violently. And there was no one, it was like glass, you know, bulletproof glass. No one was in there that was going to help me. And I got so scared that when um, they finally handed me back my IDs that I left the money, had to go back and get it because forgot it, and ran out and jumped on a city bus. I didn't even know where it was going. But she was a person that was just like a bully that scared me. It was not on any way, in any way, the same kind of feeling as that other thing. As, as Scott will attest here is that we could be in a bar or somewhere, and the one drunk weird guy will find oh, me yeah. and walk up to me. And, oh, and I, and, I'm the same way. And yeah. I try not to give out that vibe because there is a connection. You, you, you don't. No, well, that's, uh... that's how we met. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, he was interesting, and, and we had a lot of, to talk about. But uh, <laughs> And but Scott, clearly. thanks you for that $4 you gave him that night. Well, and I had developed, and over the years, definitely developed a gut feeling about things, people and danger come, you know, coming. But in New York, you get so used to having that gut that you become almost empowered because the minute you feel it, you're like, nope, not interested, you know, and you walk away from someone. Or if you're walking on a street and someone's walking weirdly near you, or you just can tell there's a weirdness. Now, this guy felt absolutely, when I say creature, I really mean like he felt like a creature to me. I did not think of him as a human being. Like like a demon. Because I actually have extreme amount of 
empathy and and uh even when somebody's really messed up walking around I'll, I'll sit there and go yeah but they're this or that that guy just ignited something in us that was just pure fear and we just both were you know really creeped out has it, has it ever happened to you before or, I, I mean uh, afterwards to this day i've never had that feeling of just a a dark empty cold weird it was cold you know it, he didn't feel passionate he just felt dead Digging into my belief system, it's it's this guy does not live in our realm. Right, like, he right. doesn't have a job at Cinnabon. He's no. not he's not going to uh, you know go back to his apartment and uh, and watch Mad Men. You know for the rest no. of the he's, he's got his own thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and who knows? I mean, if you're talking spiritually, who knows what his purpose is other than the, the bringer of bad vibes? But the fact that you two picked up on it and nobody else left—that's kind of the mystery. But I think what the real thing about the story is is that you can't deny your own physical reaction yeah. to this. And, and, and the of feeling else. of charisma is dark and light. I mean, yeah. I feel like over the years at SNL, like there have been hosts that are so charismatic mm-hmm. that it feels dangerous, you know? Can, can <laughs> we're, you name any names? No, I don't no, want to name okay. any no, Never mind. That's but funny. I just remember yeah. people that were so charismatic that you would sit there by the end of the week and go, I would do anything for that person. Well, the the worst part of the of course of your story is that you really weren't finished with your dinner. No, That's it terrible. was tragic because I am a waif. Yeah, and I could have potentially <laughs> starved to death you, when you I could went have, home. You could have passed out and running out of there, or could, not even pushing the door yes. open. Uh, well, this has been a, a really good conversation. I've and, enjoyed uh, it. I got to say, the one thing that stands out is that I've heard many stories about a lot of weirdos in in New York and elsewhere, Florida you know, name or state, but nothing that has really affected anybody that deeply. Scott and I are the personality that, you know, when we hear something interesting or weird or strange, uh, we like to talk about it. And we like to, we like to tell stories. We like Mm -hmm. to tell our friends about it. And we also enjoy other folks that, you know, we'll, we'll do the same. We'll tell us strange stories. And I realize that a lot of the population is uncomfortable with that. And uh, something strange may have happened to them, but they don't want to tell anybody because right. they'll be perceived as being strange if you're connected to that somehow and, uh, and are afraid of that. So we really appreciate you being oh, able to, sure. you know, not, not being afraid of telling us. Well, it's been uh, 15 years. I probably didn't want to talk about it too much then because oh, I really? felt like he was going to probably <laughs> find us. But I heard uh, you're talking about me. Yeah. yeah. But, um, it's definitely something that has stuck in my brain. And like yeah. I said, my brain is like alpine lace, Swiss cheese, and it's slowly seeping a you lot of information well. out. Well, at, least yeah. it, at least it's on, it's on record now. And if he is listening, you know, he, he, he's probably a director of marketing at some yeah. kind of internet company, I would, I would guess. With his he probably, background. yeah, you know. he's probably wearing Burberry plaid this evening <laughs> like, and like, what was I thinking? He, he was just doing it to get the job. And then once, you know, once he was yeah. in the, uh, on the ladder, he, he's fine now. And he's a this probably his yeah. three days he's ever been in New York city. <laughs> like, and he was like, I got people, people acted very, strangely. I got to look like a city guy. <laughs> well, Scott, do you have anything to, uh, to wrap up here? Uh, no, I think it's good. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank really you. It was very fun. Hopefully I'm sorry that I have my nightgown you. on. <laughs> That's okay. I've enjoyed it. I think it, it. adds to the di- the late night New York uh, feel of uh, people on the street. Yes, there's but... a lot of public nightgowns. Right. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Paula. Thank we'll, you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Uh, so, Scott, what did you uh, what did you think of that uh, interview? I love Paula Pell. Yeah, I, I do. she's great. Um, obviously, she's been a friend for a long time, but I, I think this is a really great story. You know, I think a, a lot of times 
people are compelled to think that stories about ghosts, you know, it's going to end up with an exorcism a la, you know, the exorcist. And that, that's just not how the world works. And that's not how these stories work. And I think, I think part of our point of view is specifically, it's like if you hear a story like that that's all wrapped up in a neat little package at the end, yeah. it's less likely to be reality. Yeah, no, th- things don't play out or uh, have a Hollywood ending usually. And and sometimes it's a very fleeting kind of thing, but that's often life. It's a momentary glance. But as I pointed out earlier, I think a lot of people aren't very observant about what's going on around them. And that can sometimes get them in trouble. Or if they are observant, you know, you get to see some pretty uh, interesting and magical things, especially in New York. Yeah, I'd never heard of anybody having that severe of a reaction to a passing glance like that. I agree. The thing to me that's most interesting about the story, I should say, is that it's, it's very benign in its nature. It's like, yeah, what it's, happened? Oh, I glanced at somebody. And you think on the surface, oh, that's nothing. But, but this was a glance that for her has lasted 20 years. Yeah, it, there was no special effects. There's no visual effects that happened. But I think if you do as I did, which is, you know, empathize with that, like I can uh, sense that she was – something significant happened to her in that brief moment. And not just to her, though, her, her friend. And so that, that validates – that feeling a little. We were talking about this earlier. It's not always a bad thing when people encounter somebody with a tremendous amount of magnetism, either positive or negative. And, and I had Charisma. A friend of, exactly. I have a friend who was, um, I think he was taking a Tai Chi class. Uh, he was teaching English in Taiwan. So he was taking a Tai Chi class. I'm going to guess like out in a park somewhere, but uh, from this master who was in his 80s or 90s. If you've ever taken martial arts, that's the... En- I have taken yeah, martial it's, arts. Right. And it's the en- so you know. It's I'm not saying energy. that anyone should be afraid to attack me because I don't, I don't remember <laughs> I, much. I, I just wouldn't on hygienic grounds, uh, <laughs> probably, but... But yeah, he might he might uh, hurt you in some way. How many way, people in our audience? How many people in our audience have friends who've taken Tai Chi in China? I don't know. Okay. Well, I you know. Anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, you know that's what he was saying is that when he was uh, taking this class, the master had a tremendous amount. You could call it personal magnetism or energy. In you know, in uh, martial arts, it's called ki, and it's the um, I believe you know in the lower stomach region, and it's a kind of a center of power. And then uh, if you you know, if you ever hear a uh, martial artist yep or yell, it's like a tiger tensing up, about ready to pounce. That's what that's what animals do. And so, in connection with that, though, and and are talking about flight or fight response, uh, fight or flight, fight. One of those two. You start can, over. Fight or yeah. All right, it, don't start over. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to leave that about, in. Well, but uh, I think everyone yeah. refers to fight or flight as fight or flight, if, not if flight or fight. If you're a coward, then it's flight you or flight. With flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just there's no fight option or free and if you're according to wikipedia freeze is in there as well but no. oh free Ho- yes hopefully can, nobody we know is freezing yeah that's not a uh, freezing doesn't work that's oh the, wait it does work with certain option. bears right <clears throat> i uh, playing dead yeah which is not get big up. get small get big you <laughs> no, know i don't what? run away yeah. don't run away okay anyway yeah, climb a tree that's not uh, <laughs> neither too big or too small that's all right. i know right uh no he, he was saying that they uh you could sense the key coming off this guy, because, you know, again, he's been studying this whole, his whole life, meditating, concentrating positive energy. Now, on the very opposite of that scale is here's somebody, and, and again, this guy's not an 80-year-old, you know, he's not pay away from, uh, <laughs> from the Tarantino movies. Yeah. <laughs> Who's mastered awesome. uh, killing powers. Yes. You know. Uh, and, and beard powers. Yeah, and, and completely uh, gray hair uh, 
kind of dancing on swords power, but he or Joel Gray from Remo Williams. But no, I, he's, uh, I digress. That, that was on the. <laughs> I forgot about that. No, here's a guy in this diner, and what I love is that he knew he had it. That's one of the key things I love about the story, is that he gives a wry smile to Paula, and he knows he's freaked her out to the core. He was self-aware. He was self-aware of his— Much uh, like the elephant man. Yeah. (laughs) Was he? Yeah, well, he knew that he was a man. That was the big tragedy. Didn't you see that movie? I did, but— I uh, mean, you just— Paula's reaction uh, was reaffirmed by her friend, who had the same exact reaction separately, uh, but together at the same time, and only found out about it later. So it wasn't like, you know, so one didn't key off the other, saying like, hey, look at that creepy guy, and the other person says, yeah, he is creepy, and then they both get creeped out. They were creeped out separately you know, they were running away. One thing that's really interesting dynamically to me is that people who are together, whether they're married couples or friends or whatever don't want to freak out the other person they're with and i think that's really fascinating it's like that person came in and he looked at me and laser beam shot out but i didn't want you to be afraid yeah so i didn't say anything and then it's like oh my god laser beam shot out at me too and it's like that's really fascinating because we've experienced this uh not only with paula and her friend but with um our uh married couple that we interviewed uh, marty and alice uh, who experienced on a vacation, each one experienced something a little bit different that they were didn't want to tell each other about because they didn't want to spoil the well, vibe. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think in, that's the thing, though. I, I think in that case, I've known them for, for many years. and uh, Marty and Alice. That's true. Yeah. Who was the other couple? Remo Williams and... Uh, oh, wait. I'm Remo, sorry. Joel Gray. Joel <laughs> <laughs> he was the original Payway or Pieway, whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, but but nice Pieway. They can't be Pieway. Payway. Yeah, pay the way. cruel tutelage of Payway. Yeah. Uh, again, it's kind of an ass. I mean, it's, he's got all these great powers, but uh, I guess an interesting character. We digress. We digress. The couple that we interviewed on a separate occasion. You know, I've known them for many years, and I know that. The one does not want to upset the other and, and knows the triggers. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that after uh, being married for a right. few and years now. Right now when you just said that, it didn't matter which one you were talking about. It's just one does not want to upset the other. Well, I'm going to say that they both, being they both have triggers. And okay, so now, no, I, now I, this suddenly has become a marriage show. Because uh, no, that's the secret to marriage. Not right now, upsetting the, the other. Out of it. Yeah, you have to not. Uh, I, I think fight. You know, pick your battles. Uh, can I just? Thing. I just want to quickly. Inter- I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to quickly interject. One of the things that a friend of my dad's once said to me after I think forty years of marriage was, the only reason that I've been married forty years is because every morning when I get up, I think, what do I need to do today to make sure. I'm still married tonight. <laughs> and and that might advice. mean, you know what? Don't tell don't tell my wife I saw a demon outside the window. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> On our vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Rare, in any situation rarely does that go over well. I'm sorry, I cracked you know, myself that's up. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I think you you know, even with your uh, your ghost hunters. I'm incredulous. Look, just for the record, incredulous ghost hunters. Yeah. Oh, I don't general. see. I don't know any of those shows. I know, uh, but know. Uh, Forest folks does not have cable, so please, uh, we need more listeners. Yeah. So I am aware of TV. Cable. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this uh, personally, and if this has happened to you, you you uh, you're sitting down and uh, and and again, it's, I think it's important, at least to me, is it the beginning of the meal or the end of the meal because I will sit through a horrifying situation if it's a really good Reuben sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not it's I, I know you're the devil, but yeah. dude, I just I'm paid eleven dollars yeah. for this. I'm, I'm in a New York it. deli. Yeah. I'm in a New York <laughs> deli. 
I'm not going to take the coleslaw home, but I at least want to get the. Uh, well, that's you know, the, the thing, and then one of the rules of the street in New York is if you're not directly threatened, don't do anything. You don't do anything. <laughs> that would that be the freeze, right? That would be the freeze portion, yeah, okay. or the freeze and consume. I, I see. Yeah, just keep, <laughs> consume keep your eating. Sandwich. Well, you kind of blend in. Yeah, but uh, no, if it was you, what Are do you, you think? You, me. You, specifically? you specifically, you. What would? What do you think you would have done? Okay, and by yourself, because I know as a family man, I'm sure you would have gotten your family out of there. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing when you know during the time that I lived in New York and I did live there for about ten years, I was married but did not have a kid, and my wife worked at Saturday Night Live, so subsequently I spent a lot of time by myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Saturday yeah, nights, right. Yeah. And when she was free, we would leave town, but um. I, you know, I don't know. I, I experienced some weird things in New York, but nothing supernatural. I can't really say what I would do in a situation right. where I actually got a chill like that. And that's, that's an important point. I'm glad you brought yeah. that question up because I think a lot of times when people hear stories and they listen to stories, it's easy to judge like, well, why didn't you take a photo? Why didn't yeah. you, you know, whip out your HD cam? And it's like, you know what? You can't say what you would do. And I can't honestly say, because as I've mentioned on this show many times before, I've yet to experience anything that I couldn't quite explain. And I, you know, to be truthful, I feel like I I did see a UFO once, but it was so far into deep space, even though it it exhibited one of my favorite traits of a real life UFO sighting, which was non-ballistic motion. It was like, it was like a star that moved non in a non-ballistic fashion. And that's an amazing thing, but it's still very far away. There was no detail, you know, Little men didn't pop out of it, and it wasn't close right. enough for me to see anything about its structure. It seemed to be in deep space. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen, and I saw it with an entire Boy Scout troop. Yeah. So we all saw it. It was like thirty kids, but you know, whatever. It, that was, that it, doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, you might find it curious, and but it wasn't very uh, it, threatening. And it might give you tingles, but yeah. it didn't shake you to your core. Because no. I, there's one thing that keeps popping back into my mind. She says it did not seem human. <laughs> And on that note, we're going to wrap this show up. We want to thank Paula Pell for coming in and sharing her creepy story. Look for her new movie, The Nest, later this year. We'll be back in two weeks with a new show about what we're still meeting on, but it's guaranteed to entertain. I want to thank Judson Crane for our amazing theme music, Ryan McCullough for world-class sound design, and John Mahorny for our great logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at astonishinglegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Good night.